I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. I met him 16 speaking with privacy attorney Adam Green of the law firm Davis Wright Tremaine. Adam will be speaking to us about some of the security, privacy, and compliance and enforcement trends that we're likely to see in 2016. Hi, Adam. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks, Adam. So now, OCR recently issued a crosswalk between HIPAA security rule and the NIST cybersecurity framework. Any thoughts about this crosswalk and why it's needed? We've been used to the HIPAA security rule for some time, which the security rule encompasses cybersecurity in a sense, you know, but cybersecurity is just one aspect of it. Obviously, 2015 was kind of a sea change where we went from seeing the big issues being things like stolen laptops, which is not a cybersecurity issue, to hacking and things like that. And so everyone who's a HIPAA-covered entity you know, has to now recognize that cybersecurity has become a much higher threat level for the healthcare industry. And so the NIST cybersecurity framework is a very helpful means of really looking at where you are and where you need to be on cybersecurity. And this cross Crosswalk is very valuable with respect to helping you to more easily transition from solely looking at the HIPAA security rule, for example, to also using that as a bridge to the cybersecurity framework for NIST. So now there has been criticism that you know, the HIPAA security rule just hasn't kept up with these sorts of evolving threats that we're seeing. Do you think by OCR introducing this crosswalks, it is trying to perhaps address some of these gaps that maybe people kind of use the HIPAA security rule as an excuse for you know, not doing certain things? Well, I think it's helpful. I, you know, I've, I've certainly heard that criticism a lot with respect to the security rule, but on the other hand, OCR's emphasis on a risk analysis that is really looking at what risks are you seeing rather than just a control framework, I think has actually kept up much better than, for example, reliance on a control framework that may not be encompassing some of the new risks that we're seeing. And so, you know, I think the some of the critique of the security rules a bit misplaced um, in that at least the risk analysis, is, if you're doing it well and continue to do it well, it prepares you for this new threat landscape. That being said, I think there's not that much in there on the security rules side with respect to cybersecurity, you know, hacking, that sort of thing. And so I think the, the crosswalk and moving towards looking at the NIST cybersecurity framework is a good way to essentially complement and update the security rule to a significant degree. OCR has issued a number of HIPAA enforcement actions in recent months, including a resolution agreement and also a civil monetary penalty case, which you don't see very often. What else do you think we'll see this year from OCR in terms of enforcement activities related to investigations? I think we're going to continue to see that the vast majority of investigations, you know, possibly as much as 99%, are resolved uh, without financial penalty or settlement. We had a record essentially a few years back of seven settlements. I could see us getting to or maybe slightly exceeding that record this year, especially as we get towards a change of administration. There, there may be a push towards you know, getting some things out the door, essentially. But overall, we're going to continue to see that most matters, most investigations are resolved through closure letters or technical assistance letters um, versus a few cases that are really high impact or high profile, you know, more systematic issues. We'll see maybe 
five to ten of those cases probably pop up through the course of the year um, as settlement amounts. And the amounts have been getting higher. So I think we'll, we'll see the average settlement creep up a bit. You know, what I thought was most interesting last year was about a $750,000 settlement with a relatively small physician practice, which if you look at $750,000, that's not in any way a record-breaking settlement amount compared to there's been a $3.5 million one. But for that amount for a smaller practice was very surprising. So I think we're going to see kind of the the minimums going up potentially and the, the maximums potentially creeping up a little bit more too with respect to the settlement range that used to be $50,000 to maybe $1.5 million. Maybe it's now getting to be more like you know, even if you're a smaller entity, it could be a five-figure settlement. And if you're a larger entity, we could be seeing more $3 million settlements. How about resolution agreements with business associates? How soon would we likely see one of those, do you think? Well, I'm waiting. Um, yeah, the, the average... I would have been surprised if we saw one last year. I think that would have been a bit premature in the sense that it takes them about two to three years for an incident to go towards settlement. And they were first enforcing against business associates September 2013. So we're at the year where it's now three years out from some of those first business associate attributed breaches, for example. So I I would not be surprised if in the in the, this next year we see one or more business associate settlements coming from some of the early breaches and you can look at for example the so-called wall of shame the, the um, website with the data breaches look at which ones were caused by business associates breaches and potentially big but don't have kind of summaries up and therefore may not yet be resolved i wouldn't be surprised if one of those we, we see a settlement announced pretty pretty soon now, uh, OCR has been issuing lots of guidance lately as well about mobile, about HIPAA-permitted uses and disclosures of PHI. Are there any other OCR guidance that you're hoping will come out soon or that you expect that will be released? I've been impressed by how much guidance we have seen lately. So what, what's gotten lesser publicity is they put out a guidance on app developers and whether or not they're business associates, which I think was much-needed guidance. And related to that, I'm still waiting on um, guidance on cloud computing and HIPAA, which is something that OCR has been putting on the top of their list of upcoming guidance. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that within the next few months. Breach guidance, immediately after the omnibus rule, I was hearing a lot about potential breach notification guidance, including even a breach risk assessment tool potentially, and I haven't been hearing about that of late. So I don't know if that's still in the cards, if that's likely to come out soon, but I know that that's industry is clamoring for more clarity as to what is and is not a reportable breach. So I'd like to see that. Um, And we're all waiting on minimum necessary. I haven't been hearing that much about minimum necessary guidance, but that was one of the requirements of the High Tech Act that we're still waiting on. The federal government has been talking a lot about the importance of interoperability and health information exchange. Are there any certain challenges in that general realm that you think there needs to be more clarification or more attention to when it comes to the regulatory people and some of the things that they're working on? 
Well, certainly most of that effort is coming out of ONC with respect to including some nice guidance that they've put out in blogs just explaining why HIPAA is not an obstacle to interoperability. That being said, I was disappointed in the recent guidance. It has some really good guidance on apps and essentially the ability, you know, as a regulatory right for a patient to get their information through apps. One area, though, that we didn't see in that guidance that I'd like to see is on direct messaging. Essentially, we have apps that are able to receive secure direct secure messages through the direct protocol that include patient records. And we have technology in essentially every healthcare provider that's past meaningful use stage two where they've got technology that can securely send a patient record through direct messaging. That being said, if you go with one of these apps to any healthcare provider in the country and ask for your medical record to be sent to this app through direct messaging, good luck. They will probably look at you like you've got two heads. They, they don't understand what capabilities they have and how to use them. I mean, so for example, direct messaging involves sharing trust anchors, essentially digital certificates. And so there may be something that needs to be done on that front where your healthcare provider has to contact their vendor and say, I want to be able to share records with this particular app developer or this trust bundle that encompasses a lot of personal health record app developers. And until we see, I think, clear guidance from OCR saying it is your regulatory responsibility to be able to do that, you know, that if someone comes in and asks for this and you have the technology that's capable of doing this, you must do so, I think we're going to continue to see people just not understanding from the healthcare provider side that they have this capability. And it's a, it's a real disservice because patients have the ability, with all these interoperability issues, patients have the ability to really be the center of exchange. But first, they, you know, we have to give them the tools to securely receive their information. And from a regulatory standpoint, HIPAA provides those tools, but there needs to be further guidance in the area. We talked a little bit about some of the enforcement actions coming out of OCR. What do you expect in terms of state AGs this year? Do you think we're going to see more activity? There's been a few active state AGs, but not a lot. I think we'll, we'll see a few more maybe jumping on. So last year we had some additional ones. We had New York brought their first action. I think Indiana may have brought their first action last year. And then we got a second action from Connecticut. And Massachusetts continues to be the most active. So my guess is we'll see maybe more actions from Massachusetts because they really seem committed to using HIPAA as one of their enforcement tools. And then I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one maximum two other state attorneys maybe join the mix. You know, I think you'll continue to see that state attorneys have other tools available. And even though they've received training on HIPAA, this is not necessarily the first arrow they go to in their quiver. And so I think you know, there, there may still be a relatively small minority of states that bring actions on this front. Thanks, Adam. I've been speaking to attorney Adam Green. I'm Marianne Kolbasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.